pray together for a moment. Lord, thank you as we engage with the scriptures this morning. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill our minds and our hearts. Come and fill my words and open the text and open your heart to us that we might encounter Jesus. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you're not seated, please have a seat. Heard a story about a little girl who was awakened one night by a loud thunderclap and a bright flash of lightning. She was terrified as a storm was raging outside. So she jumped out of bed and she went running down the hall to her mom and dad's bedroom. She urgently shook her mother awake, and she said, Mama, I want to get in bed with you and Daddy. Her mother was still fairly groggy, and she responded, Honey, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's okay. It's just a storm. Go back to bed. Remember, Jesus is in your room with you. He'll take care of you. At which point, there was another loud crash of thunder, and the little girl said, Mama, You go in there and sleep with Jesus. I'm getting in bed with Daddy. (laughs) She was afraid. She was afraid. Fear. It is something that we have all dealt with at some point in these past months. It's probably something that we're all very familiar with at this point. Certainly, it's something we have lived with to varying degrees and extents over these past months. I I mean, think about it. Who among us hasn't experienced some kind of fear during this pandemic? Perhaps you've been afraid of contracting the coronavirus, or maybe that your children or your grandchildren would become ill. You might be afraid of death, or if not death, perhaps you're afraid of dying isolated or alone. From the ones whom you love. Others are afraid of a crumbling economy, of a shrinking portfolio, of a business that is floundering and bills that are mounting. Maybe you're feeling anxiety, even fear about reentry as things are beginning to move back towards something normal. I don't know what it is, something that is coming perhaps a fear of spikes, or maybe the somewhat cavalier attitude that others have maybe more than you do. The Bible makes it clear to us that fear is, well, it's an enemy of faith. In fact, it may actually be the opposite of faith. And so I think it's important for us in a time that is rife with fear to understand how faith overcomes fear, how faith overcomes fear so that we might be people who operate by faith and not by fear. And so we'll look at our gospel lesson in Luke chapter 8. We're going to look at these two people, Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and this unnamed woman who couldn't have been more different from the outside, and yet both of whom together show us a very profound picture of what faith looks like as it overcomes fear. Well, let's set up the story. Jesus and his disciples have just returned. Uh, They've come by boat across the Sea of Galilee. They're back in Capernaum. They've been over in the region of the Gerasenes. 
but they're back now, and as they arrive, there's a very large crowd on the shore awaiting them as they get there. They're welcomed by this crowd. A bunch of people, there's a buzz in the air, a kind of expectancy about the Lord's appearing. Verse 41 says, And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Now, Jairus was an important man. In fact, everybody in town knew who he was. He was called a ruler of the synagogue. It meant that he was in charge of the synagogue in Capernaum. And we need to understand there wasn't a church on every corner like we have now. This is the one place where everybody worshipped. So everybody knew who he was. He was responsible for the synagogue. He was responsible that Torah was read appropriately, that services were conducted in keeping with the law. This is an important man. Very important. Very respected very religious, and he had a huge problem because his 12-year-old daughter was dying. Now, here's the thing we need to understand about the faith life. It is often desperation that brings us to Jesus, and that's what you see happening in Jairus. Now, how do you know he's desperate? Because the text says he falls at Jesus's feet, and he implores Jesus to come to his home to heal his daughter. See, the synagogue ruler shouldn't fall at anyone's feet. The most important man in town shouldn't be groveling. This man who is wealthy and powerful, well, he shouldn't be begging from anyone. Friends, you need to understand that social standing, propriety, the way things ought to be, fear of looking foolish, fear of what others might think, has kept many people from coming to Jesus. This happened then, it happens now. And that might be what's keeping you from receiving from Jesus yourself. He wants to give, and yet fear is an obstacle that must be overcome for faith to work. So here's Jairus, he's in the dirt, and there is a bunch of people there witnessing this going on. You might say Jairus is praying at this point. I mean, he's certainly in a posture of prayer. He's on his knees, or maybe he's on his face, and he's imploring Jesus on behalf of his daughter. He's petitioning. He's interceding for his child, and Jesus responds by saying, yes, yes. And we know this because he starts to go home with Jairus to see about his daughter. Now, it's at this point that the healing is a done deal. We, we need to know that. The healing is a done deal because if Jesus is on the, on the way, then the fat lady's already singing with regard to this illness. That's what's happening. The little girl is as good as healed at this point. However, Jairus doesn't know it, and we haven't yet seen it play out because often in the faith life, there is a lag between the time of Jesus' yes and our experience of Jesus' yes. The time in which he says he will accomplish something and our actual seeing of that thing accomplished in real time. 
Well, that's where we are now introduced to the second person in this story of faith. We go back to the text. As Jesus went, as he was on his way to Jairus' house, the people pressed around him. Verse 43 says, And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. This is incurable. She's an unnamed woman with a disease that cannot be fixed. She spent all of her living on physicians. So she's broke, but she's also worn out. You know, if you've ever dealt with a chronic illness, whether in yourself or within somebody whom you love, you know that it has a way of wearing you out and wearing you down. As you go from doctor to doctor, cure to potential cure, as you try this and you try that, it's a kind of exhausting roller coaster has a way of spending your life, not just spending your money, but spending your life along the way and isolating you from other people. Of course, she's also experienced tremendous psychological effects from this illness. We're told the nature of her illness, she's had a 12-year-long discharge of blood, which is the Bible's polite way of saying that she's had this uncontrollable menstrual flow. And what that meant was not only was she sick and not only was she in pain, but she was also, she was also isolated from community. She was ceremonially unclean, which means that she wasn't allowed to be touched by others either. Now think about 12 years of this. She couldn't go to worship. She couldn't engage in community. It was surely a deep shame for her. And she certainly wasn't supposed to be in the crowd that day. But again, desperation has a way of driving us to Jesus. She knew that her condition, her ceremonial uncleanness, meant that she couldn't address Jesus directly. And so, verse 44 says, She came up behind him, and she touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Do you see how faith overcame her fear? See, if she had listened to fear, she would have stayed on the edge of the crowd that day. In fact, she might not have even shown up. She might have just stayed in her room, locked away. If she had listened to fear, she would not have risked another potential rejection and a public one at that. And if she had listened to fear, she wouldn't have spoken up afterward to give testimony to the healing she had received from Jesus. Fear will keep you from speaking out about Jesus and what he has done in your life. Fear tries to steal God's glory. We'll go back to the text. She's been healed at this point. Verse 45, Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And I love Peter's response. He's like, Way of Jesus, right? This is a big crowd, right? The people are pressing in. They're all over the place. But Jesus said, verse 46, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. This woman's faith made a draw upon the power of Jesus, and he knew it. 47 says, And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. See, her plan was get in, 
get out, and nobody gets hurt. It's kind of like the way we go grocery shopping these days, right? But, but Jesus had more in mind than just a physical healing. Now, physical healing is important, right? It points to Jesus' identity as the healer, as the one who has come to make things right. But it's not the most important thing. Oh, it's important, just not the most important thing. Because Jesus has come to find the lost. Like the shepherd seeking lost sheep, he has come to find his people. He has come to set captives free. He has come to restore the broken and to announce the year of God's favor and not his judgment. By calling her out, he's not rebuking her. He's not another person shaming her. He's not another religious leader rejecting her and excluding her. No, he's restoring her completely to the community, to the worship in the synagogue, and most importantly, he's restoring her to God himself. And you know this because of the way he addresses her. Look at verse 48. Daughter, he says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Reminded of John chapter 1, verse 12, but to all who receive Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. I, I can remember um, preaching in Liberia and preaching among the former child soldiers and the former sex slaves who now were drug dealers and prostitutes and preaching a message that Jesus makes lost people into sons and daughters and the hope that sprung up in their hearts and the shame that fled away from their lives as in faith they came to Christ and were born again and made sons and daughters of the living God. All of the baggage begins to be shed when you're made a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. See, faith is not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And that is his invitation to you today, that you might be a daughter of the living God, that you might be a son of the living God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that's not the end of the story. It'd be great if it just stopped there. It'd probably feel like it was enough, but there's more that we need to see. Remember, we've got Jairus. Jairus is waiting, standing there. He's probably tapping his foot, anxiously holding on to himself. I, you know, I don't know. We all start rocking generally when we're waiting in a line. He's waiting to get to his daughter who is dying. Verse 49 says, while Jesus was still speaking, nonchalantly, I think, it's not in the text, but Jesus has this way about him. He's never in a rush. Someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Now, I said earlier that there's often a delay in our faith life between the time of Jesus' yes and the time in which we experience that yes, between the time of his answer and our seeing that answer play out. Well, there are also oppositions that come against our faith, and there are also tests that come when it has to do with faith. Word arrives that Jairus' daughter is dead. And I can only imagine as a father hearing those words 
that his knees had to have buckled and his stomach had to have clenched and he was about to swallow his tongue. Like all logic flees from his mind as fear begins to take over and sorrow is trying to creep in. But Jesus quickly in kindness and compassion, and of course that is his heart, he speaks right into it and gives the antidote for fear. Verse 50, do not fear. It's just a command. Don't do it. Do not fear. Only believe. In other words, have faith. And she will be well. He's saying, don't give in to your fear, Jairus. Have faith. Have faith in what? In faith that Jesus has already said yes. The answer has already been given. Have faith in what Jesus has told you. Now, this is where our faith often gets tested and where opposition often tries to trip us up. You see, in your faith life, the culture constantly says about the things of God, it's impossible, impossible. And our reason often questions, asking, how can this be? It doesn't make sense. And our enemy, well, our enemy surely taunts He says, God's word is not trustworthy. God's character cannot be relied upon. It's the oldest trick in the book. Go read Genesis chapter 3. Now, how do we know that Jairus had faith? Well, it's because he continued on with Jesus. He doesn't say another word. And, And there's a lot of people spouting a lot of things about faith, talking faith, talking faith, talking faith. But see, faith is action. And in the face of this word that comes, your daughter is dead. He keeps going with Jesus in response to the encouragement that the Lord gives him. And he keeps on going, even though when they get to the house, the place is filled with mourners. And these would be professional mourners. They would be both family who are wailing at the loss of a 12-year-old, a life cut short. I mean, this is chaos they're entering into. It's testing his faith every step of the way. All the way up as he gets his wife and says, I know it doesn't make sense. Come with me. This man can help. And on into her room. And of course, all the people laugh. Verse 53, everyone laughed at Jesus, said, it's too late. The girl is dead. Well, Jairus believed Jesus. He took him at his word. He lived into faith, despite the fact that fear was rampant, logic was shouting, the enemy was taunting. And, of course, it says that Jesus took her by the hand and said, Child, arise. Get up, little girl. And she did. Her spirit returned, and she got up, and and they fed her something totally normal, totally biological. You see, restoration is happening. Now, let's apply all this. Fear is an enemy of faith. You must understand when you are in fear, that is an enemy to your faith. doesn't mean you're never going to have fear. You just need to understand what its role is and what it's often sent to do to cause you to turn from the Lord. Faith is not about your feelings. You can have faith and not feel anything. That's been my experience more often than not. 
God calls me to step out and take a risk, to pray for somebody, to go and do something, and it seems wrong, and I don't feel like doing it, and my mind is railing against it. It doesn't make sense. My feelings are crying out, but my faith, my faith, my faith acts. And this is very important for us. Faith is not about you understanding it all. In fact, God will often lead you through situations that don't make sense in order that your faith might be refined or tested or strengthened. And I've found over the years that he particularly leads me through these kinds of faith trials and tests in order to show off how good and how big and how loving and how delightful and how trustworthy he really is. To answer experientially over and over and over again to my heart, I really am with you. You can count on me. You are not alone. You don't have to do this by yourself. I've got you, my child. Fear not. Only believe. And of course, when we do that, it's natural to give him glory, to give him praise and thanks and to tell others of the wonders of who he is. Lastly, faith is not mental exercise. I've said this already. It's more than a set of beliefs. It's more than a a bunch of doctrines that we ascribe to. Faith is action. Hebrews 11, you get a whole list of people. By faith, so-and-so did something. By faith, so-and-so did something. By faith, Noah built a boat in the desert. By faith, Abraham left his country, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, Moses left Egypt. By faith, the children of Israel went through the Red Sea. Faith acts in response to the word and direction of God. It's always connected to action. Friends, it's not about the size of your faith. It's about the one in whom you place it. So in this climate of fear, I want to encourage you, draw near to Jesus. Allow yourself to enter into his word and seek him out. Whatever you face right now, engage with Jesus and ask him, what would you have me to do, Lord? And then wait and watch and pay attention and read the scriptures. And then, as you know his answer, follow him in faith, in the way he would have you to go. The reason this is safe is that he is the faithful one. Because by faith, he followed his father, and he enacted his father's will further than anybody else has ever done it. By faith, he entered this earth. And by faith, he went to the cross. And by faith, he stepped in as your substitute. And by faith, he gave up his spirit to the Lord that in faith, the Father would raise him from the dead so that you and I might be justified so that sickness, so that death, so that Satan, so that fear would not be the last word on our lives. Stand in faith, my friend. You are loved and he is trustworthy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you, Jesus, that you have us. Draw us from shame and fear 
and affirm our identity as your children and teach us the deep ways of your faith life. We rebuke all fear in our lives in the name of Jesus. And we say this day, O Lord, that we will follow where you lead. We pray these things in the one who is trustworthy, in the name above all names, Jesus, who is Lord. Amen. Amen.